Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Yesterday, among all of the horrible things that happened yesterday, well, just not all of them. Let me let me be clear. Just Virginia really sucked um, yesterday. But there was good news, as I was talking about. You know, New York got his second black mayor ever after David Dinkins, Eric Adams. We have... Uh, you know, all throughout uh, Ohio, you know, Chantel Brown won. You know, there have been some bright spots. And the, one of the brightest spots, because we were talking with Glenda yesterday from Higher Heights, was in Durham, North Carolina for the first time ever. A black woman is now mayor. And I'm going to welcome her in because I want to talk to her about this journey. Let me welcome Mayor-elect Elaine O'Neill. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, um, it was inspiring watching you. Your your speech was inspiring. And, you know, as somebody, are you from Durham, North Carolina originally? I am. I have never lived anywhere else other than Durham. This is what I'm talking about, <laughs> Mayor Mayor O'Neill. This is what I'm talking about. I feel like, you know, we all live places and then we kind of check out. We're like, okay, I'm here. I expect things to get done. I think people should do the things, but we don't know what that ownership looks like. And talk a little bit about your journey from being a a lifelong resident in in Durham to now being its mayor. Well, you know, um, Durham has been good to me. I don't I don't know that my story could have happened anywhere else for me other than my hometown. Uh, I started in, in kind of city jobs as a child. As a teenager, I worked at North Carolina Central University School of Law my law school that I ended up going back to head. And so in between that time, though, you know, I was educated here. I have two degrees from Central. I'm a double eagle. That's what we call a double eagle, a math degree, a law degree. And then uh, I was elected to the bench at a fairly early age. I had three years of legal experience and I hit the bench at 32 Mm -hmm. and served on the bench for 24 years, right? First as a district court judge, which is just first trial level misdemeanors and family law and things like that. Eight years in, um, my last eight years of that, I was appointed to be the first um, female district court judge here, chief district court judge here in Durham. Uh, Thereafter, I ran for superior court. And again, my hometown elected me um, to become the first female Superior Court judge. Thought I was going to retire and head to the beach and live somewhere other than Durham. Um, that didn't happen. I ended up getting a call from Central's Law School. We were having some accreditation issues, and I was asked to uh, become the interim dean there to shepherd us through that process. And so we, I did that, retired again, headed to the beach again, and the call came once again to say, look, you, you know, would you consider this? And after some grappling with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, I said, okay, I guess, you know, we're going to do this. And here I am, you know, here I am. So my hometown has been good to me. uh, And I hope to be good to my hometown as his first Mm. African-American female mayor. I'm I'm proud to be a Bull City Dermite. I can't stop smiling because, (laughs) you know, when you when you think about service, uh, political service, this is the blueprint. You know, somebody who's from a place who's gone through, you know, schooling and community, all that, sat on the bench. And and I want to pause in that for a second because, you know, many judges right now, uh, and you were elected, which is super important, you know, our justice system, I'm putting up air quotes, on, you know, the day after Ahmaud Arbery, uh, his, you know, his killers have a jury made up of 11 white people and one, one black person. 
Uh, you have Kyle Rittenhouse on trial. You already have a juror that's been thrown off for making jokes about Jacob Blake, who was killed, which is why people were in the streets, uh, which is why this young boy decided he was going to cross state line to come and regulate, uh, I guess, and kill two people. Uh, but that judge said you can't even refer to those protesters as protesters. You know, so we have judges making decisions primarily about our black bodies and, you know, for you to sit on a on a, you know, on a bench, what was different for you, Elaine O'Neill, when you were a judge? Wow. Very few women. That's for sure. Very few. Um, when I was chief district court judge, there, there were actually two of us. And that's basically the administrator of the system. So you hold court and you you are responsible for um, supervising staff. And you also have to make sure that the, the courts are scheduling. And there were two of us, one black male and one and me. Um, so very lonely, a, a very isolating uh, job, but um, doable because we we can do it. You know, we, we can do these things. So uh, at the superior court level, I traveled, you're a circuit court judge. So I traveled for, for those eight years and got to see different parts of North Carolina. And once again, it was like a museum specimen a lot of times where people would kind of come in and peek and look at you like this. <laughs> you know, so you kind of get those looks. And um, but again, those are those are arenas that we must we must be in those arenas because there are, there are some change makers who work from the inside out, and there are some of us who have to work from the inside from the inside from the inside out and from the outside in. So I was one of those who who have been called to come go in the inside of these uh, agencies and try to make change there. But change is never, never easy. You know, the revolution will not be televised. We have to go in there and we have to make sure that we are, we are on our game and we understand that we are public servants. I'm not a politician, I'm a public servant. And I'm there to serve the people, especially the least of these and especially those who have been left out and left behind uh, and allowed to really become invisible unless you see them you're on the TV screen and and then people want to wonder what you do about crime. Well, you know, it's a little deeper than that. You just can't talk about it. There are actual steps to being able to address these issues and I hope to be able to do that. So we just get in there and work. That's all I know how to do, Karen, is just, just get it done. I love it. Elaine O'Neill is here, mayor-elect uh, during North Carolina. We start off the show talking about a Black Wall Street uh, mall that's opening, uh, that has opened in Stone uh, Stonecrest, Georgia. And let me correct myself. Jacob Blake was paralyzed. He was shot and paralyzed, uh, which was horrific. Uh, but Durham had a Black Wall Street as well uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, located on Paris Street. Um, it, of course, was the home of Mechanics and Farmers Bank and North Carolina Mutual, uh, Charles Spaulding, John Merrick. You, I mean, you have uh, the community of Haiti, uh, which is a nod to Haiti. Uh, and it, it is historic for, for black wealth. What are, you, what are your plans as mayor to pay homage to that, but also for the future of Durham? Where is it going to go under your leadership? Well, I hope up, you know, we, we definitely can't go down. So that's the short answer. The, the, you know, when I think about the legacy of Durham um, in Haiti, and I remember when 147 went through Haiti, 
uh, in the name the highway, of urban the renewal. highway, right? The highway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Highway 147. Where back then it was uh, Highway 40. But I remember those things, and you know, my aunts and and my mom and a lot of them they worked down. They worked in the Haiti area. You know, it was, it was a jumping area where all the stars came in, and and you know you had to build more hotels. So I kind of remember a lot of that, and that that genius is still here. You know, it's been um, kind of pushed down, but it's, it's still here. So I'm going to be a part, I hope, of a, a community of, of uncoverers where we begin to uncover that genius again and lift it up because it, it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, it's just been uh, pushed down. But now it's, it's time. It's time for us to uh, realize the genius that we have within. And it starts with, you know, just simple things. First of all, we have to unify as a community. You know, you know, we are so divided and so fragmented all over the nation. I'm particularly feeling the angst of it here, though, and I'm sure everybody can say that about their community. But we have to start with a message of unifying. You know, this train is about to get on the track and go down. We want you to be on it. So come on, let's go. We have to go. So we have to unify. And then we also have to take it back to the basics. Uh, I'm a practicing Christian, so I always go back to the top two commandments. Love thy God, thy heart with all their heart and soul. And then the second, the second is the greatest of these. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we have lost a lot of that self-love uh, in our community. So we have to start beginning to rebuild that trust um, if we ever had it between the government and particularly uh, communities of color and the African-American community, we have to rebuild those things, but we also have to have action. I'm not going to lose my street cred. I'm still able to walk around Durham, North Carolina <laughs> in all kinds of neighborhoods. You know, my um, headquarters is downtown on Main Street and we have two Durham's that's being told, the story's been told on Main Street. You have where I am, where some a young man lost his life a couple of weeks ago before I got down there. And then we have the million dollar apartments. So we have to, we have to bridge those gaps and we have to build the trust in those distressed communities to let them know that we're going to center your voices so that you can be a part and lead the conversations about how we help. So for me, Karen, it's it's boots on the ground, baby. We got to go. It's time to go. Boots on the ground. I don't do a whole lot of talking. You know, as a judge, you do a lot of listening and then you take action. That's the same thing that has worked for me. And I'm going to use that same uh, methodology, boots on the ground. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Elaine O'Neill, let's go. So the biggest obstacle uh, for you or obstacles, bringing people together and then, yeah, then you, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, these are hard. These are not H-A-R-D issues. These are a lot of these issues are harder issues. H-E-A-R-T. Where's your heart? How, 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 how can you not feel for the child? That like one of my city council uh, person says that they has to jump in the bat in a dry bathtub at night and hear gunshots. You know, you, you don't have any feeling for wanting to make that better. So it's that basic stuff that we got to care about one another uh, first. And then we, we can move. This is not this. You can't tell me we can't find a, uh, a solution to the housing problem. Uh, there seem to be enough houses going up. We, we, we can't make it so that people have a place to live in 2021. No, we can do something about that. I just believe it. So let's, and I'm going to work at it. Under your tutelage, under your your uh, your reach, the police uh, on several ballots throughout the country, there were referendums about, you know, defunding police, changing police to public service. 
under uh, Mayor Elaine O'Neill, what will policing look like in Durham, North Carolina? Well, let me give you a little backdrop on it so you'll know where I'm coming from. And I don't think it's the, we have to choose. This can be a both and situation because you always have to make room for innovation. The, the constant uh, in everybody's life is change. That's the constant. You're going to constantly change. So we have to evolve. But for 24 years, that's what I did, was I uh, looked at on a daily basis the behavior of our police officers in our community, whether you're a defendant or big victim, but all of that very much plays out every day in a courtroom. On top of that, I was a member of CALEA, which is a, a commission that accredits law enforcement agencies all over the United States and the world. And I was a part of that for five years. So I have a view that's sort of different from everybody else uh, in terms of my involvement with law enforcement. We don't have the community capacity at this time to say, no, let's defund our police. We're just not there yet. You have too many bodies in the street and people are afraid to talk about, and there, people have to be held responsible for the violations of your cultural norms and morals. Every society has a way that they police uh, behavior. You know, it, it, that's just the reality of it. And the reality of guns and all of that stuff, we have to have a way to police uh, behavior from uh, stealing at the store to, to, you know, the murder on the street. There has to be a consequence for those behaviors that violate societal norms. So we have not found a way to eradicate or do without the police. Hopefully one day, yeah, but right now, what we do have to understand that there are communities who have been over-policed and some who have been under-policed. And you also have to make sure that you put the right person in the right job, right? So you have to have all of those things so that we can all be accountable to the system that we have. And that's why you can have the both and you have your police, you make sure they're accountable, you make sure that they're paid well and they're doing the job they're supposed to do. We also make sure that our schools are funded and that children and their families are living a decent, decent and safe home so that we can begin to understand the community norms. Black people just figuring out how to be families, do we realize that now? We ain't been families that long, considering we was 400 years right, of, without of not even having ownership of our own bodies. All right, so we're still figuring that out. And I think people forget that a lot of time, that we didn't have that. This is relatively new for us. So we're going to have to figure that piece out as we develop, you know, because every black person I know has somebody who's probably in their family has been involved in the criminal justice system, has some mental health issues, just all kinds of stuff from being black in America. So, you know, we got to we got to look at that. And so for me as the mayor, I'm trying to take all of those experiences, highlight those who have been unseen because people like to ride by the ghetto, go around and not see it and complain about what's coming out of it. But you gotta you gotta make visible the invisible and then put those voices first because we cannot keep telling people how to govern themselves. Mm. We have to help them. And I think that we can here in Durham, North Carolina. We have enough resources to do it. So that's what it looks like for me. Is, is centering the voices of those in the most distressed communities. The first thing I'm planning on doing is ha- having a, a citywide assessment that's, uh, that's grassroots driven so that they can tell us what exactly is going on. You know, when we take a census, there are a lot of folks that are not gonna be counted. So you can't count people. 
because people are not going to want you to count them because we know what happens when you do that. But we can get a read from the community on the needs of the community. And so that's the first thing. That's out the gate. What we got going on? Because nobody really knows. We got guesses, but a guess is not good enough in this moment. We have to back that up with numbers. I have a math degree. You cannot fix what you cannot measure. You have to measure it first. So that's the first thing out the gate. Bring those voices in. I need a, I'm asking for about 2,000 to 2,500 volunteers to make a commitment to me for at least two years for this city, given 2.5 hours of community service of work outside of your circle, please, not your church family and your friends and your sorority. I'm a member of sorority, I'm a Delta, but let's go outside of that circle, touch people that ordinarily would not have a voice. Let's say we got what we have going on, and then we're going to go from there. Uh, watch, Dermot's gonna be. We, we we're gonna we're gonna show him how to do it. I already I tell know. You. Well, this is why you know go. we're starting a conversation that I want to continue, and I want to. I know you have to run. Uh, last thing, Mayor Elect, and there's a, one of your constituents is on the on the, on the line wants to say hello to you as well. Um, okay. How do we hold you accountable? How what does uh you know your four years? What does success look like? You know, when you four years from now, what will you say? All right, I did a good job. If this, this, and this are done. But my term is actually two years. Can you two believe years. that? Everybody no, else is four, but mine is two. So, you know, that's really short. So do I ever stop running? No. So that's the accountability piece that's going to be right there. It's going to be in your face. So what I hope to accomplish, the first thing I want to say that I will accomplish is just what I said. We've got to have an assessment of what the problem is. The secondly, I want to mobilize our community. The civil rights movement was just that. It was a movement of people. And we have to have that kind of buy-in um, across the city to get to do what we uh, can do, what, what I know we can do. It really is boots on the ground. And we've been able to do this work in, in fragmented pieces, but we have enough pieces here in Durham where we can actually uh, put it in a system that works. I want to develop an ecosystem of our children for our children and our elders where they can enter on a different r- ramps and within a certain amount of time be assessed and placed within the system. So we've got to have, have, have a community system, a safety net is what I'm calling okay. it for our most vulnerable population. So I, at the end of that, I hope at the end of my two years, I will hope that I will have at least the beginning I hope they really be almost done with it, but the beginning of a safety net for the most vulnerable of our population. And the other thing I'm praying for, this is the prayer part, Cameron. I'm praying for 2022 uh, no murders in Durham, North Carolina. That's the mayor saying that, the mayor elect. Not okay. a body in these streets around here. I love that. All right, we're going to, uh, let me bring in Gary in Raleigh, wants to congratulate you. Mayor-elect Judge Elaine O'Neill is here. Hey, Gary. Hey, Karen, how you doing? I'm good, bro. Excellent. Love your show. Love everything about you. Thank uh, you. Mayor O'Neill, love you, and I'm very, very proud of you. I live in Raleigh. Um, I'm, what's that, about 20 minutes from you, 20, 25 minutes, and Durham is my spot. Durham is where I go for culture, for all my fullness. Is where I go to hang out, and I honestly... And looking at moving over there. So I, I'm just very proud of you and happy that uh, for you and uh, happy for all the Dormites that they're going to get your fullness and your vision. I love it. That's Thank it. you. Come on, come on back to the Buddha City. 
Come on back. We'll need your help. I'm put you to work though. <laughs> I, I heard that. You know what I you think, for? Look, I'm raising my hand. My mama moved down to Henderson um not too okay. long ago. And so I'm looking in that area. I want to be closer to her. And you just made it uh possible because I was nervous about North Carolina because you know, y'all, you drive down south from Jersey, you're gonna see a lot of things that make you uncomfortable <laughs> as a black person. But Durham, you know, you you just you just made uh, a case for uh making that place a home for me so thank you so much and let's stay in touch all right thank you so much i love you my sister just meeting you but god bless you keep doing what you're doing i receive in touch all right y'all y'all in durham you got one you got one it'll be no excuse all right you have somebody that's a champion right now hey this is karen hunter you can listen to the karen hunter show live every monday through friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.